So our next witness today is uh, Catherine Swift. <clears throat> and Catherine, can I get you to state your full name for the record and spell your first and net last name for the record? Catherine Susan Swift, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, S-W-I-F-T, like Taylor. And uh, thank you. And Catherine, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Thank you. And I, I'll say it's nice to finally meet you in person. We've spoken <laughs> several times on the phone. Now, <clears throat> you are currently president of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada. And I need you to speak, not nod, because right. we're being recorded. Yes, I am. <clears throat> Can you just briefly just give us a brief idea of what what uh, the CCMBC does? We're basically an advocacy organization for businesses. We started off being exclusively uh, representing manufacturers, but in the last couple of years we've branched out to other sectors of the economy. Um, most of our members are still in Ontario, but we do have some elsewhere in Canada, but we're still largely Ontario-based. And basically we just advocate on the issues that are most important to business uh, at any given time, taxation, regulation, red tape, uh, energy. Energy issues have been huge lately, um, as manufacturers in particular uh, consume quite a bit of electricity, for example, and other and other uh, energy sources. So, um, but there's a whole range of, of different issues that we end up getting involved with, and we're we're quite independent relative to other business organizations. Most business organizations um, are somewhat financed by government, and it ends mm -hmm. up that they are. Uh, often end up more as a representative of government than they actually end up as a representative of business. So nope. we, we very deliberately don't do that. And you used to uh, be at the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses. Yes, I was the president and CEO of, of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business for almost, well, I was president uh, for 20 years, and I was a chief economist there and some other positions for another seven, so I was there almost 30 years. Right, and, and prior to that, you were in government and banking. You have a long history as uh, an economist and then running uh, basically business organizations. Now, <clears throat> you have surveyed a number of the CCMBC members to get their feedback on how government COVID policies affected them. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yep. And we've invited you here today to share with us what businesses are reporting back to you. So please do share with us what you've discovered. Yeah, um, I've sort of, I, I sort of divided these, the responses I got. I surveyed about 23 businesses total, um, and I divided the responses into the really common ones that virtually everyone had and some of the more anecdotal stories that might have been unique to one business or two businesses. Um, in terms of the, the common issues, um, the, the three the three most common issues, uh, and I would have to say the number one one the number one issue was issues with employees. Now there was quite a diverse uh, uh, range of issues with employees, and that's not surprising. Um, and in these types of businesses, I might I might add that most of our members are probably small to medium sized businesses. So the the business owner typically has a lot more interaction with the employees than you'd, you'd find in a big corporation where people don't even meet the CEO in their entire careers and whatnot. So they, they, had, they have more of a personal connection uh, with their employees. And 
the, the number one issue was um, employees, the, the government assistance discouraging employees from working. And despite how many measures the employer may have put in place to, to and, and people were scared, let's face it, there's no question about that. Um, but no matter, the employers tr tried to do their best to, to um, you know, to have their employees realize they were, they were running a, a very clean, you know, a very safe workplace uh, in all kinds of different ways. Um, but the fact that the government assistance, and also not just the, the, the magnitude but also the duration of the government assistance because it went on and on and on long after really there was a big concern about COVID. Um, and also the, the fact that there was very little, and, and we know this from other sources, very little qualification for these monies. They were basically, you know, it was basically uh, uh, distributed very freely. We know a lot of 16-year-olds that never worked in their life, God serve, uh, and whatnot. Uh, but, um, but that was frustrating for employers. Most of these businesses, in fact, almost all of them stayed operating. They were all designated as essential, so they weren't closed. Of course, the closed businesses had a whole different set of issues. Um, but those, those employee issues were, were very uh, extensive. Um, and, and we found, naturally, there were a lot of cost increases that businesses had to comply, putting partitioning in, um, changing the, the spacing of employees in their workplace. Um, uh, some of the employers uh, had vaccination within their workplace, if that was possible. Others facilitated employees getting to vaccination if they wanted it. Um, and, and so there was an increased cost. And there were some government programs that, that were supposed to cover some of those increased costs, but most of them didn't find them sufficient or found they were just so difficult to apply for that it was, they, they just got frustrated and said, forget it, I'll just absorb uh, the costs of that. So, so the employee issues were, were very, very extensive. Um, uh, one other factor I heard was the demonization of unvaccinated employees within the workplace and how it was divisive within a workplace uh, to, for that reason. Um, and I, one, one business gave me the example that they happened to have a union and the union couldn't decide whether they were going to defend the unvaccinated. So one day they'd be on their side, and then the next day they'd be vilifying the unvaccinated and siding with and, and they said it was just so chaotic and divisive for that business, it really, it really was problematic uh, for the operation of that business. So that was kind of an odd, kind of an odd result that happened there. Um, so that, that issue, and I, I don't know if you want me to get into all the anecdotal stuff now or exactly how you want to, because there, there were a number of... of I actually think when you're on a topic that might be helpful. So you're talking about, you know, employee issues and some specific examples on how the benefits basically were too generous and too long and that created, I presume, employees, you know, quitting or staying at home rather than coming to work. So some examples on that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, well, again, you know, the, the, uh, the, a lot of people decided they liked staying home. Uh, and that's, again, that's understandable. Um, and that was facilitated, obviously, by, by the benefits. Um, and so the the, just the difficulties in operating uh, were, were problematic. There was also the case that um, when the money was sloshing around so very liberally, 
literally and figuratively, um, uh, that uh, people found um, uh, they, they would know in their neighborhood, say, that somebody was getting benefits. And every, everybody was sort of aware and, and com almost competitively com comparing what was going on. Because some businesses, if they could afford it, actually shut down for periods of time. And, and um, that would naturally mean that our, our members' businesses were looked upon as, as problematic because they kept operating. Um, and so there, there was a number of really interesting, I guess, impacts there. Um, some of the, the employers were, tr were, were, of course, trying to support their employees as best as possible, and they, they felt, they, they did feel, um, and I suspect you've heard this from other people, uh, that the, the, alarmist, um, uh, the alarmist news, constant, constant drumbeat of alarmist news, uh, death counts every day, and it, you know, all this was, was way over the top. And, in the case of media, you can expect that, but the, but governments were very unhelpful as well. They sort of uh, went to the extreme um, uh, in, instead of p possibly being a little more moderate in in their approach. Uh, something also with the with the CERB benefits that was commented on, and, and partly the, the notion of them going on longer than they really needed to. Um, they seemed to be very politicized as well. Uh, they were they a lot of employers felt they were more a tool for the government to try to gather votes than to actually be necessary and actually. Um, uh, and of course, a lot of money was spent as well. A lot of tax dollars was spent. Um, so they they weren't they almost weren't even pandemic related anymore. They were more, you know, they became a political tool to uh, to uh, encourage people to vote uh, liberal. Um, in terms of can, some, can, uh, I, can I just stop you sorry. there? I just want to make sure that we understand what you're saying. So, can you share with us maybe a conversation or two? You don't have to disclose the the person or persons, but I just want to make sure we understand um, because I believe you're saying that uh, business owners are, are reporting back to you that at some point having to take these measures, it felt more like a political exercise than a public health exercise. And I think that's an important point for us to understand. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was just that they lasted lo much longer than, you know, they were renewed. And then, of course, we did have a federal election in 2021. So the linkage with that federal election seemed to be pretty, you know, pretty direct. So that was, that was the, uh, the, the sense that a lot of businesses had. Um, uh, I, I just want to mention the other two of the, the big three, so to speak. Um, naturally, supply chain, everybody knew there was massive supply chain problems. Costs increased dramatically, tripling, quadrupling costs for materials, and if you could get it at all, uh, things like lumber, steel, um, and so on. Um, also, naturally, uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, um, uh, sanitizer, uh, all of those kinds of things uh, were, were difficult and, and, and everybody, I think, faced that. Um, one of the almost funny stories was that uh, a number of businesses found toilet paper was being stolen out of their business washrooms. So they had a terrible time trying to keep toilet paper in the washrooms. And one business in particular uh, said he just decided he would, he would give employees so much toilet paper every week and they were responsible for keeping, because it was just getting crazy that he couldn't keep toilet paper in the washroom. So I thought that was an totally unexpected um, uh, outcome, at least in my view. Um, 
so yes, the, the supply chain problems were extremely rare, extremely problematic. And, and interesting enough, a lot of them are just starting to be resolved fairly recently. So even though we think the pandemic's probably been largely the worst part, largely over for a year or so, um, the the problems continued uh, with can, things like can, supply can chain. Can you give us a, an example of that? Like, cause well, I lumber, think, I think lumber, lumber quadrupled, okay. for example. Um, you know, so it was mostly a lot of the manufacturers naturally use a lot of a lot of those types of materials as inputs. So it was massive price increases or just unavailability. Period. So naturally, that meant they had to either slow down their operations or temporarily. Um, uh, temporarily postpone and, and so on. So that really affected people a great deal and increased their costs and they couldn't necessarily increase their prices to, to accommodate that. Um, and the other big issue was transportation related and this was very much a policy driven uh, problem because for example a lot of these businesses do business in the U.S. And um, uh, U.S. truck drivers were about 50% vaccinated. So when they imposed those constraints at the border, that uh, truck drivers sitting in their cab alone all day, not probably seeing hardly anybody, needed to be vaccinated, uh, that immediately took a whole pile of these truckers right out of the right out of the equation. And I heard of many, many businesses that did business in the U.S. that couldn't get somebody to ship to the border from the U.S. because they would mostly be American, you know, truck drivers. Now, can Another, I, can I interrupt you? So at the time, like, we never imposed a requirement on Canadian truck drivers driving within Canada to vaccinate, did we? Not d domestically, but to cross the U.S. border, we did. And and, and another interesting observation uh, one business made was he, the, he believes the government overstated the extent to which Canadian truck drivers were vaccinated. You might recall there was talk of 90% or so, so that they, the government said, though, this policy won't be horribly damaging because most, you know, the vast majority, he felt it was probably more like 60%. So that, that were, that, that was actually true about, uh, and we never really saw any reputable data on that. So it, 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 you know, there was no, no one to sort of challenge it one way or the other. But naturally, the fact that Canadian truck drivers all of a sudden also needed, you know, supposedly to be vaccinated across the border caused an, an awful lot of problems in addition to um, the U.S. situation. Um, and again, we saw one example I actually heard quite frequently was costs for, say, a load, uh, uh, like one, you know, one um, a tractor trailer um, went from about $1,500 to about 8000 So it was, it was quite a significant, you know, very significant increase. And it was just shortages. There were just shortages of drivers was, was the, the problem there. And that was 100% policy created. That didn't have to happen. Um, so that was that was an, that, and those I think were were certainly uh, the the big three issues um, that uh, that virtually all business faced businesses faced uh, in one way or another. Um, another complaint we heard quite a lot of was all of, about the programs that were directed to businesses themselves. Um, so some of them were wage subsidies to retain employees. But one thing that really was problematic for an awful lot of businesses was 
that the government, notably the feds, sometimes Ontario was involved as well and sometimes other provinces, but it was notably the federal government um, was paying companies to uh, manufacture, say, PPE because there were shortages because they didn't keep, you know, they didn't keep sufficient supplies uh, in, in uh, the various government agencies that are supposed to do that. Um, and I heard a number of examples of, uh, there was one particular example that uh, 3M was given, uh, it was 40 odd million dollars, big, big chunk of money, split between Ontario, this one was split between Ontario and the federal government. There were all kinds of smaller firms that easily could have done that. 3M, it was to make N95 masks, and 3M doesn't, you know, this, they, they built a whole new facility to do this when existing Canadian companies were well capable of doing it, um, and, and, but they weren't liberal enough. They, were, they didn't have that partisan connection. They didn't donate to the party. Um, I also heard that of there was an auto parts manufacturer that was paid to switch production to uh, masks. Um, and again, it was ridiculous. There were, there were already firms out there that could easily have ramped up production, but they weren't in the right riding. They were, you know, it was a partisan decision, not a sensible health-based nope. or, you know, sensible business decision. So that was, that was a very common um, issue I heard as well. Um, and also just eligibility, and, and we know this because we've seen some, some case studies about how um, uh, businesses uh, didn't, need, didn't need the money, but nevertheless was still giving out bonuses, was still, you know, still highly profitable, but they were accepting government money. So there was such little oversight on the part of government to the individuals and um, and businesses that they were shelling out money to that much more got spent. And this had obviously had competitive implications for businesses as well. So sometimes their competitor would get some contract which made utterly no sense and it would damage um, someone's, uh, someone's business as a result. Something we did as an organization actually was we shared a lot of information um, among members, sometimes some particular commodity that was in demand, one happened to have a stockpile of and could help others and, and, and so on. So, and we also uh, attempted to deal with the, um, the uh, Ontario government in particular in terms of trying to, trying to suggest some best practices um, because a lot of these policies made zero sense from a, from a business standpoint. Um, they didn't consult business. They just put in some top-down kind of policy, with the, obviously without thinking about it very much, and it caused all kinds of problems. This, 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 this 3M example of the fact that they built this new factory, a neighboring business actually had to shut down twice at a very inconvenient time, and they wouldn't change it to permit this new, this new plant to be connected to the electricity grid. So, so that's just, again, a, a, a particular example, but they weren't listening to business at all. They were just, uh, you know, applying these policies uh, willy-nilly, uh, over, over the top, and, and um, often in a kind of way that made people even more worried than, than they had to be. Um, business is also another, another red tape related issue. Some businesses were required to do daily, daily assessments, temperature taking and that kind of thing, and actually filling out paper. And, and some of the businesses said, where did all this paper go? I can't believe anybody actually looked at it because it was just so voluminous. Uh, and, and so it, it just seemed like a stupid, a stupid policy to be, to be doing um, as they felt that it, it wasn't even getting used by government uh, when, once it was done. Um, and the inconsistency as well. This is something for the future. 
every government in Canada was doing different stuff, uh, and, and there was no commonality. Businesses that operate in more than one jurisdiction had different rules applied to them, and, and it was absurd to try to implement uh, all these different kinds of rules. So that was another, um, you know, in, in future, businesses should get their act together and, and coordinate policies and have consistent policies instead of, um, you know, making businesses jump through all these hoops uh, that are different um, depending on where you're located. So that was another another factor. Um, we had a number of comments on the healthcare system in general because if uh, one business actually had an employee that um, was ill, couldn't get treatment in the hospital and passed away when normally that particular health issue should have been treatable and so that this business owner very much felt that they lost, you know, obviously the p person lost their life and, and, uh, and, and they felt it could, it, it should, if, if times had been normal and the hospitals hadn't been so uh, inefficient, then they, they would have been saved. Uh, and another, another gave the example of um, one of their senior employees whose mother ended up having to go into hospital for some reason, caught COVID when she was in hospital and passed away. And the, the woman was so worried uh, because this had happened to her mother that she retired much earlier than she was planning to do and the business lost a senior valued you know, person as a result. So the problems in the healthcare system obviously had a, a pretty big effect on, uh, on businesses as well as it did um, on all of us. Um, oh, what haven't I touched on here? Um, some of the, I guess, some of the other anecdotal issues that I can uh, I can mention. Um, uh, the Fed, I had the complaint frequently that the, the federal government, in particular, but some of the provinces as well, and much of the media reporting was created his, almost a hysteria, and 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 was. Uh, you would you would think a government role would actually be to calm people down, but no, it seemed to be uh, quite the contrary. And because they, none of them looked like they had any clue what they were doing, um, even though they all have departments that are supposedly uh, tasked uh, to deal with this, um, it was it created more problems than it solved. Um, one business mentioned that they happened to have an engineer employee, but he, he became so absolutely paranoid that he poisoned the entire workplace for, for this particular business uh, and, and created an awful lot of problems, Just and that was just one person. Um, he, another story that was, again, a little bit uh, strange was that people were so worried about coming to work, but then they'd encounter each other in the local Walmart, you know, um, because they weren't, they didn't know what to do with their, their time, so they'd, they'd, uh, they'd, they'd go out shopping or something like that, so that was, that was interesting. And the fact that the, um, a number of them said they, uh, some of their suppliers were small firms, and even though, um, they weren't at-risk businesses, they were nevertheless shut down, and it, it infuriated them to see the Walmarts and the Costcos and the, you know, the big uh, Home Depots and so on remaining open when some of their smaller suppliers that they dealt with for ages were closed and there was absolutely, or were shut down, and there was absolutely no reason um, that should have happened. So that was, a, that was another problem that arose. Um, one business mentioned that um, he said, you know, the old adage is 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And he said during the pandemic, it became more like 10% of the people did 90% of the work uh, because of all the changes. Um, and the other, 
and businesses, a lot of businesses were still looking to hire even, well, in, during the pandemic because they were losing some employees to, to various things, but they were, they were competing with, with government uh, that was basically paying people to stay home. Um, Oh, another, another, another interesting observation was that in 2020, for a few months, the CRA told businesses that they didn't have to make source deductions. It was supposedly to provide a break, I guess, but of course they were ultimately due uh, and they had to catch up later. And so businesses, and, and again, you know, they, they uh, had problems after the fact, because naturally they had to pay a lot more um, for those source deductions um, than they would have had to if they if they'd had to, if they'd been able to just do them on a regular um, on on their regular uh, monthly basis or quarterly basis, depending on the size of the business. I think I think those are most of the main points that um, that I found with with my interviews of of these different businesses. So perhaps uh, perhaps there are some other questions that, that you might have. I'll open you up to the commissioners, but I, I did want to ask, um, because you're well positioned for, to answer the question, but what do you think government should have done or could have done differently to make things more reasonable for these businesses? And I get the impression from your evidence that there was a lot of frustration that things didn't seem um, fair or, or thought through. I mean, even just small suppliers being closed and yet bigger suppliers where you think people would be more at risk being left open. So I'm just curious what your thoughts would be. Yeah, I think there's a few things that governments um, could do uh, better. Um, a lot of them, again, consulting with business to see what, what would work for them. Not that that would be a perfect solution, but um, they, they virtually did no consultation with business. And, and in our particular case, we were providing government with information as to be best practices, what we thought would be better ways to do it. They did none of it. They, <laughs> there was clearly no uh, responsiveness uh, to that. Um, so that was obviously a problem uh, because I think they, they could have had a lot better policies if they'd listened to business. The consistency issue. Why couldn't governments get together and do things to do things, you know, comparably in different parts of the country, municipal, federal, and and provincial, um, so they didn't impose different rules all the time. That much of which didn't seem to make any sense at all. Um, the, the 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 partisan element of it was def definitely came into play. Um, and and granted, to be fair, of course, we didn't none of, none of us even even you know you had scientists disagreeing with each other, you had doctors disagreeing with each other, you know the um, and, and the so-called science on it was was not. Um, settled, I guess you could say, uh, uh, but but often political considerations seem to override the science that they did know about. So so that would be something that um, uh, you know in future uh, try to justify these things, not just sort of throw everything at the wall and um, and see what sticks. Um, but most of it most of it is really consulting and instead of a, a top down approach. Um, just just talking to people and seeing what and be, and being responsive, of course, because that one person that just asked them to delay the closure of his plant by a week and they couldn't do that, you know that that just to, why not, you know that that kind of thing to me just seemed utterly ridiculous that they and so they put a major cost on his business because of having to shut down at a very very bad time for that particular business. So those are certainly, um, I guess, some of the main. Uh, main things that, that could and should be done better next time. It's funny too because when you think 
you know, what we initially heard in the pandemic was it was no big deal. And, oh, we've dealt with SARS. We dealt with SARS back in 2004, so we're all equipped. But there's, there's departments in every single government that, whose full-time job is to deal with this, and clearly none of them are doing their job. None of them are doing their job. So going forward, one would hope there's better oversight of that and that people will actually have sufficient P PPE, for example, in storage and, you know, be, be prepared, be much better prepared uh, for these kinds of issues. Thank you. I'll, I'll open it up to the commissioners for questions. There's no questions. Okay, <clears throat> you were you were too too clear and succinct, Catherine. But <laughs> <clears throat> thank you um, very much. I just uh, I had one follow up question because you indicated that you know we had communicated to government. So I assume you're talking about the um, the CCMBC. Do you recall what um, some of the communications were to the government? Yeah, actually, I'm going to provide those to you. I, I, I've been collecting them the last <laughs> the last few days because people had to go back in their you know go back in their uh, in their history. Um, uh, but they but they were you know they were uh, some of the things that that I've mentioned the, the notion mm -hmm. of having consistency in policies, giving firms notice too. That was one. Uh, you know, you can't implement something in five minutes uh, it, it reasonably. Uh, so giving firms notice if there was significant changes, which there were, you know, throughout the entire. Um, having having much simpler, um, uh, there, you know, there were some programs that intended to compensate businesses for things like um, having to put in partitions. I know one firm said they put in automatic doors so nobody had to touch anything. Um, and, you know, the accommodations like that um, make those programs simpler because they were so they were so convoluted to deal with an awful lot of businesses just said forget it I'll just spend the money because this is so ridiculously bureaucratic to you know to have to deal with it so simplifying that would be a good example but I'm going to be able to send you some stuff uh, once I sift through all these uh, all these emails that I've gotten from people super so we'll we'll add that then as exhibits when you you collect those well Catherine thank you very much for attending My on behalf pleasure. of the National Citizens Inquiry we thank you very much for your input great thank you